Welcome to the Living Against the Grain podcast. My name is Dan. I'm joined with my brother Levi. And if you are a new listener, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. We'd encourage you to go check out our introduction episode where you can learn a little bit more about us, a little bit who we are, a little bit about what we do, and a more in-depth look at why we started this podcast. I will share a heartbeat. A heartbeat of this podcast is to encourage others into living a life for Christ, Christian living. And along the way of Christian living, uh, we'll encourage you to pursue attributes of God. We want to also take away some of the uh, misconceptions that go with Christian living and replace them with the truths of what the gospel tells us. You know, one of the things I like to talk about in terms of Christian living is surrender. Surrender is living for Christ and um, dying to your selfish needs. I like to say to live for Christ, to die is gain. To live for Christ is pursuing all things Him, living your life fully dedicated to Him, living out the ways He's called us to live. To die is gain, is to dying to self, uh, dying to our selfish desires. And it also talks about the promise of eternal life with Christ in heaven when we have a relationship with with him so that's what we that's a little bit of the heartbeat of our show we want to encourage you and and and, and bless you and and hopefully encourage us as well and uh, so why don't we dive into what we're talking about today Levi why don't you welcome our, our listeners and and share what hello everyone I pray that the peace of Christ has been with you all since our last episode I know it has been a while uh, a lot has happened Maybe we'll get into that in a separate episode, in what happens outside of a typical episode. But thank you for joining us. Thank you for still being with us. What we will be discussing is a continuation of our previous episode, God's Attributes, God, God's Attributes, the Grace of God. And we'll be discussing the wisdom of God, or God's wisdom. And the verse that you mentioned, to live is for Christ and to die is gain, sort of leads into what I would like to talk about because it's to say or to even say that phrase is, a, is wise. It is a wise saying because what we're going to discuss is that, again, against the grain, the wisdom that we believe in is not the wisdom that this world believes in. So we're going to get into it, but we're going to separate human wisdom from godly wisdom because what we are going to try to explain is how godly wisdom is true wisdom. Now, that's to say, wisdom is in its fullness found only in God. Now, before I specifically get into some of the things that I would like to talk about, or that we would like to talk about, I would like to mention that we're going to do things a little bit different this episode compared to the other episodes. So, a lot of what we have and a lot of what we're going to mention are excerpts from readings or quotes from authors of different books. And we'd like to directly take those passages and read them for you guys and then sort of explain them a little bit in comparison to where most of our other episodes, what we did was we said what was on our mind, we said what was on our hearts, and we shared them and explained them in ways that we felt um, another person might understand. So the reason why we're doing things a little bit differently this episode is because God's wisdom is a unique characteristic. And the reason why I say this is because out of God's wisdom, 
that's given to us, do we understand the rest of these traits? If we have a complex math equation that's given to us, it requires an intelligent mind to understand that equation. And for us to understand the grace of God, the love of God, and all these different attributes, it requires a wisdom for us to be able to comprehend, understand, and even use these attributes that God has and that God is calling us to take on and clothe ourselves with in our daily lives. So that's why we're doing this with wisdom. We're sort of breaking it down as best we can so that it can in turn help us and guide us in the next episode and in the previous episodes as well. So with that being said, let's get straight into a couple of bullet points of what we or what the Bible or what God says wisdom is. It begins with it being the practical side of moral goodness or how to or what moral goodness looks like and that being a relationship with god and shunning evil there's a verse that says if you're the lord is the beginning of wisdom and to shun evil is understanding now that's to say a relationship and an action-based conduct in what we do in our daily lives is with them and understand is basically what that point is saying. Next is it's found in its fullness only in God. And the third point, explaining the second, wisdom is his essence, as are his other attributes, just like the grace of God as we had mentioned in the previous episodes. Integral to his character. Now, this is to say if someone asked where does wisdom come from, it comes from God as in its fullness and in its essence, wisdom is in God. So to take a little excerpt that may explain this a little bit, because I know maybe some of you might be thinking, well, I know a wise person. Typically, old the older you get, the wiser you get, right? Um, yeah, so what do you mean wisdom is found only in, in God? Bear with me, we're going to explain how that can be considered knowledge and intelligence, but it separates itself from what true wisdom is and is probably just going to be defined simply as human wisdom. Anyways, so this quote is from Estes, the author Estes, in a reading on Job, or I think it's specifically Job 28. Now, the reason why I mentioned Job is because Job is integral to this episode mm-hmm. and is sort of the best way to sort of mention in a human's life the need of godly wisdom as well as the failure of human wisdom. So I know I've been rambling. Let me get straight into the, into the quote. Where can we find wisdom? God himself is the source of wisdom, as many other characteristics are so. In seeking for wisdom, humans must come to him. This God in whom resides wisdom has spoken to humans to reveal to them the path to wisdom that they cannot discover by their own efforts. Job 28 concludes by restating as a reaffirmation of Proverbs 9 verse 109 the classic definition of wisdom. In quotations, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, 
and to shun evil is understanding. According to this divine saying, humans learn wisdom through reverence for God that produces obedience to Him. Not by knowing everything about the world, which as we said, is what many people consider wisdom, for that exceeds the range of humans. Wisdom cannot be discovered by human effort apart from God, but it does exist in God and it may be found in a dependent relationship with Him. True wisdom is not gained through brash ventures to the edge of the world or the simple human pursuit of wisdom that many philosophers have taken in the previous centuries, but by taking one's place within an ancient plan, or thus to say, God's plan. Even while heroic exploration ultimately fails to reveal wisdom, as God is the revealer of wisdom, wisdom may nonetheless be born from that failure by recognizing, creating, and maintaining limits. This is to say, even in our failures to understand and try to find wisdom, that in itself is a step in pursuing the correct wisdom. Because in our failures, can we understand, okay, this pursuit of wisdom is incorrect, what other avenues of wisdom can I take? That is to say, there's the pursuit of God. Because the pursuit of wisdom in itself does not lead to God, but it can reveal in its failure that the pursuit of God is the true revelation of wisdom. So that's even to say there's a sort of grace in our failures, that God reveals to us in our mistakes, hey, the true source of wisdom is found in me, not in what you're pursuing. And in that understanding, which in itself is a sense of wisdom, we can be led to God. To continue, like the divine artisan who fixes the elements of the cosmos, measurements, outlines, and boundaries, humans may perceive wisdom while putting things in their place, separating one thing from another, and upholding those distinctions. True wisdom is found in a moral universe that is fundamentally rooted in the awe of God who ordered the world. This is actually, this last sentence is actually directly a summarization of our What is Right and Wrong episode. That's our first episode. So if you haven't seen that, check that out. It's a direct correlation to the episode that we have here. In conclusion, because wisdom cannot be found in either the human world or the world of nature, it must be found beyond the realm of what is created. It must be found in the God who fashioned the world by wisdom. I know that was long. So I guess a question I would ask, is if wisdom is found in God and it's not found in this world, how can we sort of explain and separate what we consider human wisdom? And what would that be? Well, you know, when you sprinkle the human aspect into anything, when you compare it to God, there's going to be corruption, there's going to be failure, there's going to be wrongdoings, right? Um, anything that we do is turns, really, it has, it, this is what history has proven, it turns uh, imperfect, it turns away from what God actually intended, unfortunately, because God intended things to be good. So, for example, you know, the way God intended the family to be, God intended the family, to, the, the nuclear family, to be man, uh, wife and children, and that should be the 
uh, root of the family. And the root of the family actually should be centered in God. And, and the, the man brings something to the relationship and, and the fatherhood. And the woman brings the motherhood into the relationship. They both have their roles to play, both important roles to do. And the, what's being celebrated in something in our world today is, is the opposite of the nuclear family. The nuclear family is actually trying to be buried. And what's being replaced with the nuclear family is celebration of, of, for example, man having multiple mothers of 10 different children and, uh, uh, or, or multiple children with 10 different mothers and, and, and all these kinds of things. That's something that is celebrated. And, and something also celebrated is, is single parenthood. That is, that is um, uh, a mom that has you know, seven different kids with, with some of them being rich fathers, some of them being deadbeat dads, and, and that's something that's being celebrated. Now, this is not an attack on a single mother. This is the idea that the, what the world is saying is good and, and wise and proper is something that's so perverted to what God has in store, what God intended the family to be. If you look even statistically uh, of, of a, a child's success, of a two-parent home, of a two-parent home of a mother and a father. It's so far greater than any other combination. And, and that's just a picture of, you know, what God's plan and, and wisdom and his, his idea for humanity is compared to our idea. So it's not even human wisdom in that sense. It's worldly ide- ideology. No, the, the idea of human wisdom, yes, we can be intelligent and all that stuff, but when, like Levi is sharing, it's uh, understanding is so much greater than just knowledge. And understanding is what comes from God, and, and it's a bigger picture. It's, a, it's beyond even um, full understanding and, and comprehension from humanity, I think. Yeah, and this isn't to discredit that, you know, human wisdom is useless or pointless or anything like that. There is a usefulness to it. Absolutely. And we're called to understand, know, um, be knowledgeable, and become intelligent. It's a but, gift to do exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. But to say that it ends there is, is, is we're, we're lying to ourselves. Yeah. Life than just simple knowledge. And even, you know, going back to that example that I gave, that you know, really old person who has all of these proper phrases or ways to conduct ourselves in life. This isn't to say godly wisdom does not happen. What it is is to say godly wisdom produces that. So that's it's, right. It's a it's a it's a byproduct of godly wisdom, and this byproduct of godly wisdom creates a wisdom that allows us to live lives properly and one that we can rely on. Because if we rely on God for this wisdom. Instead of relying on, relying on, let's say, you know, a 95-year-old who has seen everything in life, you know, I'll take my chances with the creator of the universe. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And another reason why is because, it's as you said, the corruption of human wisdom is rampant. For example, a, a, a wise saying is, look before you leap, right? But another wise saying is, haste makes waste. Those two go directly in contradiction with each other yeah unless it's to say you apply those differently in different situations okay i can understand that but that goes this goes back to what i was saying this look before you leave haste makes waste phrases of ours is 
the culmination of human wisdom. It doesn't it doesn't get any better than that. All it does is it creates a head knowledge. And, you know, maybe it will help us navigate life to a certain extent, but there are certain existential questions that human wisdom will not be able to have us answer. And it's as I as I will explain here in a certain quote. This quote is by uh, J.I. Packer, and it's to say, The pursuit of wisdom does not provide an understanding of the reason of God's various doings in the ordinary course of providence. The real basis of wisdom is a frank acknowledgement that this world's course is enigmatic, that much of what happens is quite inexplicable to us, and that most occurrences under the sun, meaning on earth, bear no outward signal of a rational moral God ordering them at all. God's ordering of events is unscrutable, inscrutable. Much as you want to make it out, you cannot do so. The harder you try to understand the divine purpose in the ordinary providential course of events, the more obsessed and oppressed you grow with the apparent aimlessness of everything, and the more you are tempted to conclude that life really is as pointless as it looks. The truth is that God, in his wisdom, to make and keep us humble and to teach us to walk by faith and in union with him, has hidden from us almost everything that we should like to know about the providential purposes which he is working out in the churches and in our lives. Now, I know that a lot of what just was said, we can relate to. There are so many things that we say, why does this happen? How is this happening? What's the reason for this going on? And many use the fact that this isn't explainable to say there's no God. But what we're saying here is that's an explanation of how there is God. Because mm -hmm. God deliberately chose to do this so that we can understand that our wisdom is small and we need to learn. Yeah. And we need to have a relationship with him so that we can grow in our knowledge, grow in our humility, and understand. Sometimes the best way to get us to do something is by forcing us. Yep, 100%. And the way of us pursuing wisdom is, to under, is for God to first tell us we are not the wisest people. So in that understanding, it creates... A fuel to pursue God and really truly pursue Him. Now, I think throughout all of Scripture, God makes it pretty clear. Uh, he the throughout all of Scripture, we referred to as sheep. Sheep are, are are known as one of the, if not the dumbest mammal out there. And I think there's reason for that because um, not not that saying God created as dumb or anything like that, but as it's just the understanding of 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 level of of where we need to come from the 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 what what's the word i'm looking for the um humil basically coming from a place of humility right and i th i think that's what god wants us to uh walk in is walk in humility but yeah continue on levi yeah and to add on to what you said i think we can all read 
is in scripture. It's in the Bible. It's the story of Job. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was, it was unexplainable for Job why certain things was happening to him. To us as the reader, we know. Because in the prologue of the book, it explains things. But Job is not reading his own prologue. He doesn't know what's going on or why things are happening. In fact, his friends thought they knew what was going on. They tried to use their wisdom to explain why things are happening. And I think it's called retribution theology that they, they have subscribed to. And it sounds like a big word. It sounds wise to me. It sounds smart. It has to be right, right? No, that was not the case. It was inexplainable why things had happened. But the wisdom that was shared to Job is while things, while these things are happening to you, this is what you should do. Why it's happening, you may not know. But you not knowing is better for you. Because what that does is it lets you know and it tells you that the one who does know is going to be with you. A lot of times we become problems. And what do we do? We inflate ourselves and we push other people down because of our egos. Humans are very, very egotistical people. Just naturally. And this is the living for beginning of this episode, right? It's it's removing that that the selfish ideas that we have and the fact that one of the selfish ideas is saying that we know better than than God. We know better than others you know and and i think when you remove that it's something it's a back to humility again it's it's surrendering it's uh when you're able to do that that's where you see god come through for you when the circumstances like job were so unknown were so uh basically out of this world like you wouldn't be able to believe that these terrible things happening to him but because he knows to rely and put his faith and trust in god that's what allows him to you know, succeed, have, have, have God's outpouring upon him at the very end. Yeah, and this isn't to say that, you know, God keeps us humble and not letting us know certain things means that he just means we're unintelligent. The wisest person to ever walk the face of this earth was the author that wrote, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, the, of wisdom and to shut evil is understanding. Mm-hmm. The wisest person to ever walk this earth, Solomon. So, trust me, um, or trust the Bible, when we pursue godly wisdom, it does not mean we become unintelligent. It's right. to say we become more intelligent, Yeah. in fact. And you, if you don't want to take it from me, take it from the wisest, wisest man to ever walk this with himself. Um, I think that can directly lead us into what practical godly wisdom looks like and not just that but also how we can sort of separate that continue let's take a look at a quote from j.i packer wisdom is like driving what matters is driving in driving is the speed and appropriateness of your reactions to things and the soundness of your judgment as to what scope a situation gives you You simply try to see and do the right thing in the actual situation that presents itself. The effect of divine wisdom is to enable you and me to do just that in the actual situation. Yeah, so before you kind of get into, you know, 
any explanations of practicality or anything like that. I think a good way of describing and understanding this quote and tying it into the difference between godliness and humanism and expanding further on godly wisdom is the fact that in a road that's created, workers are the ones that are involved in paving the road, painting the lines, understanding the width between one lane and the other, and the maneuverability of the road, where the one-way street might end and start, and all of these things. So they have a knowledge that a normal driver may not have as they appear to be on that road. So what we do is we trust and we listen and take in the speed and appropriateness that's been given to us in order to navigate that road. Godly wisdom is the exact same, except we're talking about the earth instead of the road instead. God as the creator is the one who should properly, properly provide the speed and appropriateness of the way we, in quotations, drive. And it shouldn't be human wisdom. Why do I say that? Because human experience is finite. So the amount of wisdom we can gain through human experience is finite as well. And in comparison to God, who not only created the universe, but who never ceased to exist, it pales in comparison. So even when we look at it hand in hand, and when we look at it up and against this quotation, godly wisdom seems to make more sense. I think a great model of this of this godly wisdom uh the way god intended us to 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 live it out and apply it in our lives is to have a mentor in our life uh that we can uh confide in and and talk with and and ask for guidance you know a godly mentor that that you can have that you can be truly honest with and ask for uh, help in certain situations i think a beautiful model of that is uh, is paul and timothy in the bible timothy has paul as his mentor he is like a sponge that soaks up everything Paul has to offer for him. I think that's very important for us to have in your Christian journey, to have someone like a Paul in your life. But I also think it's important for you to have a Timothy in your life, someone where you can pour into, where you can work with, and you can also help grow. I think that's a godly model to help put... I absolutely agree, because one of the important keys in the way we're supposed to live our lives is in not living for ourselves. That's right. So that's, again, something that's very paradoxical and different from society. Society says, take care of yourself. You're number one. Make sure everything you have is in order. And what we're saying is we're called to serve others as well. The wisdom that we gain, we're meant to share. That's what you mean by the whole Paul and Timothy, right? The, the one who may know more is sharing and then the other one has the humility to, to listen and from there they grow into one that begins to understand and then begins to teach and it's a cycle and this continues on happening on happening and it changes us in the process because even while we have someone that we're pouring into God's and now I think on the flip side of things um, as we have a godly model and a way to apply this in our lives, we have to also understand that there's also the evil one, the, the devil, who's trying to throw all Christ's followers off the path of righteousness. He's going to try to use um, things that may look good in the world and, and may sound like they're wise according to the ways of this world. 
to throw us off that path. A word that has been thrown around and, and used uh, in, a, in a corrupt way, used as a weapon, has been a word called inclusivity. Inclusivity, of course, inclusivity is a good thing. I don't think we would argue that uh, it, it, it's, it's something that is wicked. But the way it's used and weaponized is so far off of the way what God intends things to be. Um, did you have any thoughts on one of the main purposes of the devil is to take things that are of God and remove them. Yeah. And similar to the point that you were making, one that I have is children are innocent. We we all know that. And their minds are right. very they're like they're they're easy to be manipulated. It's easy to they're they're like sponges. Yeah. And or clay that can be yeah right? and it's that's a gift right that's a gift God deliberately made children in that yeah so that they can develop grow learn and take on all of these good things that's that's the reason why they're like that and what or a way that the devil takes this and uses it for evil is when people try to groom children i think that's the correct term yeah when they try to make their child into something that they're not mm-hmm. whether it's biologically whether it's uh, intellectually they try to force them into becoming a certain type of person and whatever thoughts or habits they have in their mind they try to we see that in sexuality being taught in children which takes away their innocence so fast and way too early in life, but exactly. The thing that it affects that God created, which is the natural life cycle of a human being. Mm -hmm. There's the infant stage, right? I'm obviously not going to be able to tell you all the stages, but there's all of these stages. Crawl, walk, jog, run. You know, there are all of these stages that we have as, as humans and People try to rush them, they, they try to neglect them, and use it for a selfish gain. And it's to, God knows what, God knows what the reason is, but it's for sinful work. Yeah, at the end of the day. it's wickedness, it leads to destruction is what it is. Yeah, so with that being said, I think to conclude, a couple of things I would like to say to sort of summarize this. It's to say, wisdom culminates at the top in godly wisdom. As we have mentioned with the quote in wisdom being like driving, God was the one who created this world. And human wisdom seeks to find wisdom through experience. And this experience is on this earth. But there's more to this earth than earth, right? There's the creator who's beyond the earth. Mm-hmm. So there's a cap to the human wisdom limit intellectually. And even in regards to experience, there's a cap as well because we're only here for a finite amount of time and our brains can only hold a certain amount of information. So to that end, human wisdom has a cap and it doesn't teach you everything. Additionally, there are so many different varieties of wisdom as well. 
the concept of wisdom in Japan is not going to be the same concept of wisdom in Canada or in an African country. There are going to be some things that we disagree about. There are going to be some things that we don't even regard or talk about. And then on top of that, there's the corruption side of things, where different things have been corrupted, like we had, like we had mentioned. So there are so many different errors that come with wisdom that we've spoken about. But in godly wisdom, in the incorruptible nature of God, there is His wisdom, His wisdom that He seeks to pour out to us, and that provides us with a different kind of human wisdom that helps us, just like in the driving, in the speed and appropriateness of how we should drive, or in our case, practically in our lives, how we should live life, how we should treat others, and how we shouldn't lie, we shouldn't steal, killing is wrong, all of these different things that have been given to us as wisdom and understanding. So, this is what we would like to share with you all. This is the against the green living that we so often talk about and would like to share and provide you as we've been provided with the true wisdom, true knowledge that helps us not just in this life, not just how to live in this life, but to prepare us for the afterlife, to prepare us for what comes after. Because human wisdom ends at death. It doesn't continue on after. So we would like to provide the correct wisdom in this life and in wisdom in the afterlife. So thank you all for listening. And that's all that we have for you in this episode. Amen.